Welcome back to the Not Good Podcast. I'm Molly Jameson, LCSW, and today I'm with Molly Jameson, LCSW. Molly, thanks for being here. You're welcome. Okay, I'm going to stop talking to myself now, at least while I'm behind the mic. Today is a special bonus episode on holiday stress because, well, otherwise I wouldn't have covered it, and I think that it should get some attention because it's real. But before we get into all of that, I wanted to start us off with some warm and fuzzies. So I asked Instagram to tell me about some holiday traditions, and boy, did you all deliver. I've chosen a few to share, the first from Amanda. Amanda says last year her family celebrated their 100th Christmas Eve, a tradition that started a century prior when her great-grandmother came to the States from Italy. She said it has always carried the same guests, traditions, and even the same menu. Some special touches to commemorate 100 years included a video montage with audio clips of her noni describing moving to the U.S. and her Christmas traditions, as well as a cake made in the exact replica of the house noni lived in for most of her life starting in 1921. Last year, 40 people attended and no one got COVID from the event, which makes her sure noni was looking over them. I'm absolutely obsessed with this, so to Amanda's family, I wish you a very happy 101st Christmas Eve this year. That one nearly had me choked up, so this next one is a bit quirkier. Julia said that in Czechia, where she is right now, it's traditional to eat carp, like the fish, for Christmas, but some people actually buy it live and keep it in the bathtub until it's time to cook it. I've never heard of this, so thank you for sharing that one. Does anyone else feel like they'd become attached to the carp if they kept it in the bathtub like a pet and then feel too badly to eat it, or maybe that's just me? Anyway... I also wanted to share one of mine because it's just too good to not. Growing up, my meme on my mom's side had probably a dozen, if not more, nativity scenes in her house. Now, this is a huge family. Between my cousins and the children of my cousins, there were about 20 kids at this gathering. So before all the kids got there, my meme would take all the baby Jesuses out of their respective nativity scenes and put them in a box. And then after dinner, we'd have this amazing chocolate cake she always made, and in the cake, she always put one nut. So we'd sing happy birthday to Jesus and then cut the cake and whichever kid ended up with the nut in their slice was crowned Christmas king or queen. Literally, they got a crown in a purple cape and it was their job to pass out the baby Jesuses to the rest of the kids who would proceed to have a scavenger hunt to return their baby Jesus to his matching nativity scene. As a teenager, I learned that after years of doing this, Meme actually didn't bake the nut into the cake. To keep it fair, she'd discreetly choose whose slice it went into, and I'll never forget sharing a glance with my cousin Brad as if the magic of Christmas was gone. But I'm fine with being Leona's chosen one versus Jesus's, I guess. Actually, I think one of the last Christmas kings was my ex-boyfriend, and for this I formally apologize. (laughs) Okay, now that we're feeling nice and festive, let's talk about the things that really take away from our holiday joy. And I don't say this to be a downer, I say this because it's real. Every year there are some things about the holidays that really stress us out. Some of them circumstantial, and some of them because honestly we lose sight of what the holidays are all about. As a Christian, I celebrate Christmas, so it all boils down to the birth of Jesus. If you celebrate Hanukkah, it's about the restoration of Jerusalem. And if you celebrate Kwanzaa, it's about African-American cultural roots and social values. Across the board, there are societal expectations that have grown to become associated with the holiday season. The first, the expectation to spend it with family, the expectation to give and receive gifts, and the expectation of elated, joyous, and magical feelings. So I asked Instagram again what the hardest or most stressful part of the holidays are for them, and not to my surprise, they all spoke to these expectations. 
So today I'm going to focus on the following three areas that seem to create the most agitation for us, and I'm going to call them the three Fs. Family, finances, and feelings. Specifically feelings that counteract the magical aesthetic around us. So first, let's talk about family. Here are a couple responses I got in that subject area. I want to do my own thing and celebrate how I'd like, but feeling pressure from others to do what we've done in the past. Another person said, meeting family expectations for get-togethers, especially when to stop going to extended family events. I have about six Christmas parties each year to accommodate both my husband and my families. Whew, that's a lot. And then missing my own family while spending time with in-laws was also a response. So let's start with traditions. I wholeheartedly get wanting to stick to the same traditions with the same people, but I also really love the ones that my family did. I do get really sad when I think about adjusting traditions or no longer experiencing some of them anymore. However, I also understand that not everyone feels the same way. Things change as people grow older. The older generations may pass on, or the younger ones get older and start their own families, and one Christmas gathering becomes four different ones over time. This is a natural progression, and it's completely understandable when people want to start doing their own thing, so I see you there. I think it's important to have discussions around expectations and who's going where and what they're doing when they're there. It might not be to everyone's preference, but we should also respect other opinions and desires. So if you want to stick to tradition, go ahead, make yourself happy, but let other people grow and figure out their own ways of celebrating too. This might tick some of you off, but this is the way we've always done it isn't a good reason to force everyone into it. And that goes for a lot more than holiday traditions. I'm just saying. Then there's the get-togethers. Oh yeah, the one with your family, the one with your in-laws, the work white elephant, the secret Santa with your friend group. And I say the one with your family, but perhaps you have a step-family. That could mean at least two get-togethers on each side. I know people who this is the case for, and my goodness gracious, I can't imagine how expensive that gets too. So how do we know who to prioritize? Well, that answer is really easy and really difficult at the same time. Who do you genuinely want to spend time with? The easy part is that you probably knew the answer pretty quickly. The difficult part is that answer could have come with a lot of guilt, and I would like to free you from that. But the truth is, you are not obligated to people who don't feel good to be around. You're not required to bring your kids to the home of someone who claims to want to see them but doesn't visit them the other 364 days of the year. Sure, you might get crap from some people, but this is a really good boundary-setting practice for all the people-pleasers out there. And if you do want to make compromises, if all of your get-togethers are annual, swap years for which ones you attend. My parents live in Florida while my in-laws are in Oregon, and there's obviously no way both of those are happening in the same week, so we switch off every other year. There's no arguing about it, it's simply a McDermott year versus Jameson year. Another option is starting new traditions with extended family, suggest doing a Christmas in July with some members. This is quirky, it's fun, it gives you several months in between get-togethers. Or if there are parties you truly no longer wish to attend anymore, stop going. That is okay. Some people listening, and I admit that for a long time I was one of these people, may have difficulty understanding how anyone would want to miss a holiday party. These people probably have great families and are also really extroverted. However, not everyone is like you. And I need these party enthusiasts to understand that there are people who find this amount of social interaction incredibly draining. My darling introverts, it is okay to take a step back for your own sanity. And extroverts, it is okay to let them. And then for those in relationships, there's missing your immediate family while you're with your in-laws. 
that first year especially is a tough one. And like me, you might have great in-laws, but of course there is something about being away from your own Missing a year of those special traditions and taking part in ones you aren't used to with dynamics that are different than yours. Whenever we're with one side of the family, we try to FaceTime the other side to at least make interacting with them a part of our day, which does help. Of course, there are people who choose to spend time with the same side every year for a variety of reasons, whether that's being estranged from one side, locational convenience, etc., But if you desire time with your own family during the holidays and aren't getting it, I strongly suggest discussing room for compromise with your partner. If your families are small enough or live close enough to each other, you could even suggest combining the two. I know some people who do this and it seems like a ton of fun. Lastly, there may be some people in your family who you honestly dread seeing, who you don't get along with, who always cause drama or some kind of tension. Maybe it's more than one person. If not going to a gathering to avoid spending your holiday like this isn't an option, please do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Meditate before going, excuse yourself to go on a walk and get some air, spend a little extra time in the bathroom to compose yourself, shut down conversations you aren't willing to partake in. If that's the case, I'm truly sorry this is your holiday experience, and I hope you're able to do what is needed shamelessly to take care of yourself. To help in that department, I'm going to recommend inviting two new people to the gathering this year, Auntie Boundaries and Uncle Nanya, which is short for Nanya Freakin' Business, because it's okay to say no, and it's not okay to ask questions that put people in a nice wrap box with a bow on top of societal expectations. We're going to uninvite questions like, when are you getting a real job? When are you getting engaged? When are you getting married? When are you having kids? Well, when are you having another kid? Well, when are you going to become president? Oh, speaking of the president, just kidding. Leave politics at the door too. I also want to take a moment to recognize those who can't or have chosen to not be with their families for the holidays. It might be due to your job in the military, medical field, service industry, or maybe you're a pilot or flight attendant helping everyone else get to their families. If that's the case, thank you for what you do. I hope you have a very happy and safe holiday with coworkers who feel like family. And if you've chosen to spend your holidays elsewhere due to a family situation that's abusive or tumultuous, I send you a hug. And I hope you found chosen family that make you feel as loved as you are. There is room for you in my heart. For the next F, finances. Here are some responses I received in that area from one person feeling pressured to spend money on gifts, even when it's a stretch, and what to get people in money spent on gifts. This is one that really grinds my gears, to be quite honest with you, because this could be easily resolved if we simply didn't care about gifts. I truly mean it. I wouldn't give it to if I got nothing for Christmas, if it meant my loved ones saved money to use for other things. I would love a let's not buy anything for each other and just appreciate the gift of quality time kind of year. I've honestly never expressed this, so consider this my suggestion if you're someone who buys me a gift. You don't have to anymore. But I completely understand the pressure to spend money on gifts, even when it's stressful financially, especially when everyone's current financial state isn't really part of the holiday conversation. It's hard to say I can't afford gifts when we haven't been given the option or grace to not buy them. And I think that option should be normalized. It lifts a lot of guilt and turmoil off of people who are obsessively checking their bank accounts in order to give Aunt Susan a cashmere sweater. And let's be honest, how many Aunt Susans could afford to buy that sweater herself? Be mindful of the college kids or those just trying to keep food on the table. 
For those who are on a tight budget and want to give their loved ones some kind of token of appreciation, think about their love language. Most of those are free, and we can even tweak those who are gift receivers. I've already mentioned the gift of quality time, and as a words of affirmation person, I would absolutely love receiving a handwritten letter. Think about how you can butter up an acts of service person, give them a little gift card, offering to help clean their house, shovel their driveway, maybe cook them dinner one night. For a physical touch person, a holiday embrace followed by a conversation with a hand on a shoulder might be enough. And for those gift receivers, think about your natural giftings. Could you write them a personalized poem or a song, draw or paint a picture for them, create some kind of craft? As a playlist extraordinaire, in high school, I would gift my friends burn CDs with songs I thought they'd like or reminded me of them. These days, we can do this with a Spotify playlist. These personal gifts go a really long way and often mean more than a cashmere sweater does anyway. I want to end this section with something I saw online recently that's important to share. Maybe you are fortunate enough to give your kids expensive gifts like tablets or a trip to Disney World. If you do the same thing, please do not tell them these gifts are from him. It's hurtful to other children who aren't able to get what they wanted. And when they return to school, they will wonder what they did wrong to not get what was on their list while your child got so much. Just a little side note. So that's my take on finances. You can either keep the Christ in Christmas or in Christian Louboutin, but you can't do both. And for those who are feeling greedy and want to say, but Jesus got gold, frankincense, and myrrh, uh, yeah, he was Jesus. Who do you think you are? Okay, the last F, feelings. And when I say feelings, I mean the Christmas blues. Feelings of sadness, nostalgia, longing, grief that grind up against all things magical, whimsical, joyous. During the holidays, everything is happy. The peppy commercials, the freeform movies that always end with the city girl who goes back to her dinky hometown and falls in love every single time. The lights on the trees and houses for a month or so take us to another world. It almost mocks any negativity we might be experiencing or heightens any source of unhappiness. I recently met a pastor, Michael Schultes, who invites mental health conversations from behind the pulpit. He holds two Christmas services, a traditional Christmas Eve service and another called Blue Christmas that acknowledges this contrast while bringing hope. In his Blue Christmas sermon, he said, quote, I think there are at least two sides to Christmas. One of them is the one we see most often around us, a celebration of unbridled joy. So many Christmas songs, so many Christmas movies, even our Christmas Eve services here are such a celebration. And there's a place for that. But that's not all there is to Christmas, which is good because for some of us, unbridled joy just isn't there right now. Some of us have trouble finding any joy right now because we are grieving or sad, lonely or confused. These are normal human feelings, but at this time of year, they can feel so out of place. At a time when the world seems focused only on the light, some of us know nothing but deep darkness. End quote. Michael, if you're listening, beautifully said. So whether if you celebrate Christmas or not, it is really difficult to experience this kind of internal darkness when you're surrounded by external hallmark. It might come with thoughts like, what is wrong with me? It may be due to seasonal or clinical depression and other mental health disorders. It could be from the stress of the holidays alone. Maybe you can't be with your loved ones this year for whatever reason. Or it could come from loss, whether that be from separation, divorce, estrangement, or the passing of a loved one. Experiencing the holidays in an unfathomable grief, unable to get your eyes off of the empty seat at the table. The first Christmas without my grandmothers, who I lost four days apart two months prior, 
left an ache in me that, despite being cushioned with feelings of gratitude and the comforts of home, couldn't be shaken. And this year especially, I'm thinking most of an incredible family who was experiencing their first holiday without their beloved son, brother, and uncle. When this kind of loss is married with the sound of bells, it creates a gut-wrenching paradox. This is supposed to be a happy time. It's always been a happy time. And now it's just kicking me while I'm down. If this is you, I want you to know that it's okay. And I want to take time to recognize that in the holidays, we fail to recognize something that exists in all of their stories. Trauma. Over 2,000 years ago, a teenage girl, exhausted and rejected after days of riding on a donkey, gave birth to a son in a cold, dark manger before the invention of modern medicine. Every year, eight lights are kindled to remember the restoration of a temple after it was desecrated. And we can't celebrate African culture without also recognizing its relationship with centuries of continued systemic racism. That being said, we have no reason to light advent candles, menorahs, and canaras if they weren't separating us from a lingering darkness. I don't know where you are this holiday season, but in some way or another, I think we're all sitting with Mary in the hay, experiencing unbearable pain in anticipation of a miracle. And I want to take a moment to normalize that. On that night in Bethlehem, a young mother was finally given a room, and I think we should finally give each other a room too. Room to grieve as we need. Room to not put on a face while presents are being opened. Room to step away from moments of solitude. Room to let celebration and mourning hold hands. Room to choose grace over guilt. Room for recognition and tradition and gratitude to cohabitate with nostalgia and deep longing. Room for every feeling, all at once. That being said, wherever you are and whoever you're with, I ask that you be like the innkeeper and make room and maybe even be the light itself for yourself and all your loved ones. Thanks so much for tuning in to this bonus episode of the Not Good Podcast. I hope with all my heart that your holidays are good, but I'll be here if they're not.